0: If you're trying to make any kind of meaningful, effective change in your life, well, you have come to the right place because that is what my expert guests and I are here to help you do. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where all we do is talk shift because when we're stuck and need to rise to a challenge, make a health shift, a relationship or an emotional shift. Well, the first thing we have to shift, my friends, is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. I'm Lori Bischoff, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get busy. Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. I'm Lori Bischoff. We are going to start talking some shift, and we are kicking off today with part two of my really fun podcast with Conrad Thompson. If you missed part one, make sure you go back after you listen today, go back and check out last week because we covered a ton on entrepreneurship. Conrad is a brilliant businessman and he shares his story about becoming a very successful entrepreneur. I know you won't want to miss it. So make sure you head back and check that out. And then as promised today, part two, we're diving into all things podcasting. Conrad is a brilliant podcaster. He has created a podcast universe. He's super successful and he has got some amazing details for you. So without further ado, let's roll into part two. Uh,
1: When I first met your husband, I was probably spending a hundred grand a month in advertising just in Alabama and Tennessee, but somewhere along the way, uh, a friend who uh, is a famous former professional wrestler named Ric Flair uh, was offered an opportunity to do a podcast with CBS. They had a new play.it platform. And he asked because he knew I did radio advertising in the morning and afternoon drive. He said, Hey, would you come in and ask fan questions for my first podcast? I don't want to just talk to just me and a microphone. I need to bounce it off of somebody, right. but you could ask fan questions and you know how to do radio stuff. Will you just come to the studio? And I said, sure. So I became an accidental podcaster. And at the end of that episode, CBS asked if I would come back the next week. So all of a sudden now I'm in the podcast biz, but I didn't accept any payment. I didn't want any payment. What I wanted was, can I talk about my mortgage company on the show? Sure. So now I realized instead of spending a hundred grand a month that I had to work for, pay taxes on, and then just give away. Now, instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create my own audience through the podcast. Uh, And eventually I, I met a lot of folks that we interviewed over the years, including your husband and, I got not one, but now five of those every weekday. So now instead of buying air in in Huntsville or Nashville or Chattanooga uh, for morning and afternoon drive, I'm 24 7 worldwide and I spend $0 a month doing it. So it was a major net savings, but it also allowed me to go out and get licensed in other states I might not normally be licensed in. Mm -hmm. For instance, when I first met your husband, I was licensed in two states. I'm licensed in 45 now. So it's really leveled up. And because our presence grew, it was easier for us to recruit, and now it's it's really really worked. So as silly as it sounds, I grew my mortgage business uh, from about forty million a month in loan revenue or, or, or in loan volume to over four hundred, and it took a few years, sure, and a, and and a lot of recruiting, sure, but a big catalyst was wrestling podcasts. As crazy as that sounds,
0: it's amazing. Yeah, you just who to thunk it, right? Right. I mean, you just never know, but how brilliant just to think about, you know, that whole process when it and when the light bulb came on after you had that wonderful invitation to join Ric Flair and all of a sudden you're like, hmm, wait a minute here. I think I smell an opportunity. And then you and then like you said, you went rogue and you just jumped on it. I think that's amazing. Just amazing.
1: Well, the the local radio, you know, market here I'm very familiar with in Huntsville. And, you know, there's this perception that what's on the radio, a million people must be listening, but then you think there ain't even a million people here. So how many people can possibly be listening to this? So I I did a deep dive on the numbers and I got my hands on all the ratings books and I was able to have conversations with people who were media buyers in the area and I realized that I was paying an astronomical amount for certain stations here in Huntsville for maybe 1500 people to hear the commercial. Mm. If it was a busy day, maybe 6,000 would hear it, but I realized on this podcast Well, we had like 150,000 downloads the first day. Now, the trouble is, of course, they're not all local. They're not all here in Alabama, but that's no problem because I can get licensed in those other areas. So it was a light bulb moment for me to realize instead of me paying an astronomical amount to leverage the audience and have another host lend their credibility to my business. What if I built my own audience and then I had built in credibility with that audience, that would be even better than an ad read for a sponsor because they would know it's me. Right. And they listen to me every day at this point. Yeah. And that has really worked. And People do business with, with you once they know, like, and trust you. Well, right. my listeners know, like, and trust me. So I'm an easy sell and yeah. it has really, really worked. And, um,
0: yeah, it's probably they,
1: the best thing we've done in the mortgage biz.
0: It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, you, like you said, you've, you've already developed a relationship with those people. Yeah.
1: They're it already- might be a one-sided relationship. They feel like they know me. I don't know them yet, but I can't wait to learn more about them and, Right. Ask them questions. Tell me what your goals are. Where are you at now? Where do you want to be? Like, mm-hmm. what's your long-term goal? And then I can help them figure out the right mortgage. solution.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. All right. So, so that lands you building this amazing podcast universe. Um, so for people listening to this right now, and they're like, okay, I don't, I don't have, uh, I don't have a a built-in audience, you know, nobody knows me from Adam. So how do you suggest they start the process of, they've got this itch to get on the microphone and talk, where do they start? What would you say for somebody that's like, I want to do this, but I'm not exactly sure where I want to start. How do I find the right platform? Beginnings.
1: Well, you know, the, the whole Ric Flair thing was a happy accident for me, but it gave me a crash course in what to do, but more importantly, what not to do. Uh, and, and I don't mean to speak ill of CBS, but their format for Flair show was we'll just do what all the other wrestling podcasts do. So that's what we did. We had a guest on, uh, but the way that works is if you have a a, a project you want to promote, you've got a pay-per-view to sell. You've got a big book you want to sell. You've got a stand up comedy tour you want to promote then you're going to go on as many of these podcasts and get as much media as you can. Well, here's the problem with that. If there's 10 wrestling podcasts, they're all going to have the same guest over the course of the month. And that's not very interesting. That's not very unique. You're the same. You're just like everyone else. Mm. That was a lesson for me. It was also a lesson in how challenging it could be to get a new guest every week. And you're probably familiar with that. Yes. That could be really painful where you think you have something and now, oh, well, there's been a schedule change and now we're scrambling and, You do that a few times and I realize, okay, this is not exactly the most ideal way to do this. What would that be? And I didn't know until I was on my couch one day talking to a friend, a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Bruce Pritchard, and he had done a podcast before and he did the guest thing and it just didn't work and it didn't work because there was a sameness to it. Everyone else in the category was doing it. There was nothing that was unique. And whenever, you know, guys like Jim Ross, who also had a podcast and now he has one with me what people who listen to a Jim Ross podcast really want is they want to hear from Jim Ross. They want Jim Ross's stories. Sure. It's nice to hear him talk to the ring of honor world champion, but what they really want to hear is about Jim's career. So once I understood, Hey, Ric Flair fans want to hear Ric Flair stories. I adjusted. And then on the couch one day, Bruce Pritchard told me a story and it started with, I asked a question about an old event that happened in wrestling in 2000. And I said, Hey, what happened when, this group of guys jumped from one company to another. And he turned to me and told me a story and I was asking questions along the way, but it was roughly an hour long conversation. And at the end I said, dude, this is a podcast. They said, ah, oh, what do you mean? You can't make money in podcasting. That doesn't work. And I said, no, no, no. What we just did, if we would have recorded that every wrestling fan in the world would have wanted to hear it, but only I did. Why not let's record it, take a stab at it. See what happens. It took several weeks, but eventually he came around to it with the idea being he had an online t-shirt store. We'll just promote your t-shirts and my mortgage company and see how it goes. And it was dynamite. And what was special about it was it was different than what everybody else was doing. It wasn't Bruce talking to a current star. It was me and him talking about old stories Mm -hmm. and current content people these days. What they would say is your content evergreen. Now that's a word I've grown to hate because it's a buzzword. But the idea is, if we're talking about this year's WrestleMania, well, that's interesting for this long. But then no one cares because it's in the rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. But strangely enough, if we're talking about WrestleMania from 1990, 30 years ago, that never gets old. And I realized, okay, it's nostalgia that will sell. Mm -hmm. And let's think about who that would really appeal to. Well, if you were a 10-year-old in 1990 and you absolutely loved it, now you're 40 and you're probably a homeowner or want to be. And I realized this is it. So we doubled down on nostalgia. And now I have five shows because I have a different flavor. Everybody grew up on a different type of wrestling, whether you a WWF guy or a WCW guy. So no matter what you grew up on, I've got you covered. Uh, And we drop it early morning for everyone so they can listen to it on their ride to work. We don't overproduce it. There's not a ton of music. I want it to sound conversational. I want it to sound like you're seated seated at the bar with me and Eric and we're just talking. And you're our third friend. The other thing I did that was a little different from everyone else is I changed the dynamic. A lot of times in a, in a host co-host situation, the star does all the heavy lifting and the other guy just clicks the buttons and makes sure it's working technically. But I said, what if the fan, me, the listener, what if I could be the voice of the listener? And when they say something that we fans don't believe, what if I argued back and we were on equal footing and it became a bit of a show and there would be some fussing and cussing and yelling but that's what wrestling is. And that's what they love. They love that controversy and a wise man once wrote a book called Controversy Creates Cash. And it was another light bulb moment for me where I thought this is a good idea. And sometimes people didn't know how to take it at first. I don't know if that rings a bell at all, but eventually they come around and they realize, wait a minute, it's just a show and people really dig this. We should do more of that. And it worked. So, I think the catalyst would be, if I was looking to start a new podcast right now, what can I do that's different from everyone else? Mm -hmm. What angle or approach will there be that's different from everyone else? And how willing am I to do preparation? That's the other missing ingredient of what I've got going on is before your husband and I click record, I've got 30 pages of notes ready to go. And a lot of people in my space would just click record and then just hope the words fall out of their mouth. Well, that's not how you would go sell somebody anything. I knew that from a lifelong sales training situation. I need to know, I need to be more prepared than they are. I have to know what story I'm telling. What am I yeah. selling? And and that preparation and then looking for a niche that doesn't exist right now. How can you be different? That'll make you stand out. And then how much preparation are you willing to put into it? No one wants to hear you um and stutter for two hours. What they want right. to hear is good content. Give me what I'm looking for without a lot of nonsense. And if you can do that, your podcast will work.
0: I love it yeah it, that's so um that is so key what you just said about a being different because you know th- this this whole field of podcasting has just burst so wide open over the last ten years, and it's getting to be a crowded field. I read things that say, Oh, it's still wide open, there's still plenty of room and and that may be true, but I think um it's getting crowded, and I think uh it's so important what you just said to to try to find your angle what's your what's unique about maybe the maybe the the content is something that isn't so unique, but your approach to it and how you're going to deliver it, how you're going to share it could be unique. Um, and then preparation, because you're right. If you're not prepared, um, you end up with, like you just said, a lot of hemming and hawing and um, surface dialogue. Boy, when I, when I um, skim around to check out different podcasts, if I'm not grabbed in the first literally two minutes, I'm out. It, you know, and maybe if it's somebody that is like, well, I really thought I'd be interested in this subject or this person. So I may, you know, forward in like five or 10 minutes and see, give them a, another chance, maybe. And if I'm still going, I'm bored. You haven't, you haven't given me any information that is compelling. If it's not compelling in some way, really quick, there's just too many other places to go where, where it is. So, um, but being compelling and having good good information that you're able to deliver effectively does require preparation. You're, I, I would feel so uncomfortable if I just in, especially inviting a guest on so now you're taking up somebody's time and you're you know you're putting in you're putting in the the effort to do this and to not have some framework on what the whole you know what the goal is, where you're going you know what do you want to leave people with I would be mortified to jump on the microphone i I'm sure there are people that can do it um, I'm not one of them I have to do a lot of preparation but that's the only way that I feel comfortable and I feel like I can deliver something that's you know valuable and effective
1: well the the word I like to use is care you know and it's an old cliche uh, but people don't you know care what you know until they know that you care and when the when the listener knows that I care about their time and I'm asking the follow-up question that they wish they could ask and I get that tweet a lot where people will say I was hoping you would ask that and then when he said this As soon as I thought that you asked it, Conrad, when they feel like, Hey, we're in this together and that, that sort of engagement exists. I guess that's another thing we should mention. Social media engagement is huge. And one of the the building blocks of what we did with my podcast network is we would not pick the topics, you know, very early on in my career of sales. I learned a phrase that we say in the South telling ain't selling. I'm not going to tell you what you need. I'm going to ask. And so I'm going to ask questions that take you from very generic to very specific, and then we'll get to a buying decision together. But I've got to ask and see what you're in the market for. Well, rather than us guess, what do they want to hear? We just started running polls on Twitter and we would direct all the traffic from our listenership. Hey, go check us out on this uh, Twitter account handle and tell us, you know, which one you want to hear. Here's the topics and here's what we might talk about. So we preview each topic and then we, what did we do? We build our social media platform. We've got more follows there. We've got more engagement. And then they started sharing it with their friends. Hey, remember when that happened? We were there at that show. You got to vote for this one. So that sort of grassroots campaign allowed us to really grow a big show with zero ad budget, but it was all through just being engaging there and doing that poll. And the other thing we did is everyone else in our space, they create one podcast graphic and here's our show logo and we're off to the races. We actually employ a guy who just does graphics for our show and every single show has a new piece of cover art and we push it as that week's topic so that way it stands out it doesn't feel like just another 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff no this one is a whole new thing and and people really like that it stands out it tells a different story it's it's eye catching it's attention grabbing
0: yeah and
1: uh, i sort of equate it to I don't know that you did this with your kids, but my parents bought me uh, golden books when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Every little kid wants their parents to tell them a story before they go to bed. Right. Well, it's like a, I don't know, 12 page book or nothing. It's a children's bedtime story book, but you've got a cool little cover. And as a kid, I remember going over, looking at my bookshelf, seeing all these. And then I look at the cover and pick which one I want to hear. And I wanted when they loaded their podcast app to see all these different covers and say, Oh, SummerSlam 91. I want to hear that. Mm -hmm. But if it's the same graphic over and over, it has the sameness to it. So I wanted any little thing we could do like that to stand out and make a difference. And, and that actually paid off.
0: Ooh, that's, a, that's a great, I mean, I, I know that it's not like I don't know that you do that, but I hadn't really considered uh, applying it to to my own initiative here. So I'm taking notes, comrade. <laughs> Good point about the golden books too. It's like the way people pick wine, right? Like they look and they go, well, that's a cool label. I think I want I think I'll take that one home today and enjoy that bottle.
1: But that's true with everything you buy at the grocery store or anything on shelves. I mean, they're all fighting for shelf space and you can have a great product, but if the, if the packaging sucks, is anybody going to buy it? So I've got to have good packaging.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's a great note. Okay. So we've got, you know, being, being different, trying to have a unique approach to your content, obviously being well-prepared, um, uh, Consider if you've got any kind of a following on social media, asking your your followers, your friends and fans or whoever they are, uh, for some feedback on some subject matter and seeing what they think about it. That's kind of, that's a good thing to do. Um, All right. And then uh, some compelling visuals for make it interesting, make it entertainment, um, draw some eyeballs your way. Okay. So what about, what do you think about things like how long should your show be? Is there like a magic number? You know, how often should you put out content? Is once a week enough? Should it be more? Some of those fundamental basics.
1: Well, it comes down to this. I think, you know, you've got a few different masters to serve. Your husband and I have been very fortunate. I think the show that dropped today, we had 20 commercials on, which might be a podcast record. Yeah. Uh, so for a show like that, we need to go as long as we can because we've got to fit them in there. Uh, but when we first started podcasting, we were told by the experts don't go more than an hour, don't, do, don't plug all your stuff at the top, plug it at the end, whatever you do, don't curse. And I just said, you know what, that ain't what I would want to listen to. So I am uniquely qualified in this wrestling space because I'm the target demographic. I'm 39 years old, I grew up watching wrestling, I am a homeowner, I check all the boxes for the type of guy I would want to be listening to my show. So I knew what I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. I wanted to hear the guys talk like they normally talk. And and that meant if there was some colorful language, okay, so be it. But I wanted to be, I think the word is authentic. It's real. And if it's the way they really talk, that's what we want. That that's not something we have to sugarcoat or dress up that realness will translate and it worked for us. Uh, We also plugged all of our stuff right up front uh, because I know that that's where advertisers want to be. And guess what? I'm the one putting in the time. I'm plugging my stuff right up front. And they told us not to do that. They also said you should do the Joe Rogan model. And, and lump all your ads up front and don't interrupt the show. But that's not the way the rest of the world works. Rogan does it, but no one else does. Advertisers pay a premium for the role. Now, if you're starting out without advertising and this that's not a goal of yours, none of that really may be even applicable. But that was a goal of mine to generate as much revenue through advertising as we possibly could. So that was something we had to consider. But I would I would ask yourself, how often can you be consistent with it? You will lose listeners and you will lose Faith and confidence. If they are used to hearing you on Mondays, and then one Monday you're not there, uh, you're, you're out of sight, out of mind. You need to be there consistently. So if you say you're going to do it daily, you need to do it daily. If you say you're going to do it once a week, you need to do it once a week. But I can't give you like the the rule of thumb. I would say the show should go as long as it should, and that sounds silly. But I've had some topics with like Bruce where we would go five hours on a single topic, but I've had other shows where we go fifty minutes. And, and I fill the other 10 minutes with commercials because there's just not a lot of meat on the bone. I don't want to podcast and record just to sort of check a box, just to fulfill a contract and say that I would. I need it to be compelling good stuff. And when it's not, I might actually hurt myself by going a little longer. It, when yeah. people start to think that your content is skippable, you're, you're, you're going to lose. Right. Now, there are some little tricks I would recommend, and this is just me. I would drop my podcast before anybody was awake. You don't know how people are consuming stuff anymore. Certainly during the COVID era, things are different, but people used to have to get up early and they would, you know, take a shower and brush their hair and put on real clothes and get in a car. So, you know, maybe they're not doing all of that anymore since everything's zoom, Uh, but some people would listen to our podcast on their Alexa while they're getting ready in the morning. Others would listen on their ride to work on their morning commute. So I was conscious of all that. And I was conscious of the fact that if it's a smaller file size, uh, and you can do that through a variety of ways. You can change the file type. You can change the bit rate, but you can also adjust the length. So if it's shorter and people do hit the subscribe button, your phone, depending on how much storage you have on your phone, might automatically download it. Or it may m- wait and require you to click the button because it's a large file size and they don't want to ruin your data plan. But if it's small enough, you may go ahead and, and lump it in there. Now, some people play that game. I, did not, I decided not to because if I have a bunch of listeners, but they're not really listening, so I get credit for the download, but they're not really listening, then I may sell some really great ads once, maybe twice for a high dollar amount. But if those ads don't perform because no one's really listening, it's on everyone's phone, but no one cares. and They're not really performing. They won't be back over and over and over. So what I'm looking for is a group of annual sponsors who know, Hey, Conrad and Eric are going to do a good job for us and give us ad results every week. Well, I've got to have good content. So if, if, if you're really interested in how do I pump my numbers up, I would post early and I would post short and I would post daily. Uh, and I would do that just because then you could sell what's called a QM. You could say, hey, here's how many downloads we had this month. And if you had 20,000 people who downloaded every single show, but they did it 30 times that month, it shows a big number. But understand, you really just have 20,000 listeners. Uh, So before you go market yourself that I can deliver all these impressions, you might sneak a a buy in there or two, but they're probably not buying a third time because they didn't get 600,000 impressions. They got 20,000
0: 30 times. Hmm. That's interesting. And I'm glad you brought that up because even I, it's taken me a while to start differentiating between. You know what the what the metrics mean. I mean, but, you know, and sometimes the guest um, will ask. Usually the guests never ask, but sometimes a guest, um, uh, you know, uh, manager or, or you right. know, PR person or, or whoever is handling them will ask, "What are your subscriber numbers?" And I think to myself, "Okay, so it, it, subscriber number, uh, how many people stream this? How many downloads are, are there? They're all different numbers. They all right. they're all different metrics and." Um, and I'm like, well, uh, you know, I take it, I I do my best, but could you explain for the listeners that are either already podcasting or they're new or they're thinking about it really what those different metrics mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, there's a few different iterations that have been in existence and in place since I've been doing it. Once upon a time, everyone counted impressions. So if you started a podcast, but you didn't finish it and you came back three hours later and started again, that counts as two lessons. So Mm. if it took you 10 visits because you're working and you got interrupted or whatever, life got in the way that I could count you 20 times. And somebody somewhere said, that's a flawed system. We're charging people way too much. It's not the real number. We need to change that to where it's just the download. And then I think maybe they went too far and they didn't, some systems didn't count streams anymore. Well, that's not really fair because people heard it just because they didn't put it on their device or on their computer. They streamed it. Well, then they started to say, okay, we're going to count streams, but we're going to start tracking IPs. So there's a few different uh, systems that are in place that register. But, uh, for instance, we've had a partner called audio boom before we've had another partner called, um, Megaphone and we've had a third partner called art 19, but if you pull, if you had an opportunity to review our numbers in all three, all three are different. I really believe there is no hard and fast yet. Uh, I mean, a a lot of people are going to hang their hat on their subscriber count, but I don't think that's really the the metric. I think the move is judge me on my engagement, judge me on my performance. If you're going to advertise with me, give me six weeks to sell your stuff. And at the end of that, I'll be a great partner for you, or you can scratch me off your list forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I learned very early on. Doesn't matter how many people are listening. It matters how many people respond. And I learned that from terrestrial radio because one of the first radio stations I bought that really started all of my advertising bonanza was a tiny, and I mean, tiny AM radio station here in Huntsville, Alabama, It was sports talk. And I had tried radio before on like a top 40 station that was mostly female. And they had big production and sound effects and fancy scripts. And I made $0. I just flushed $3,500 down the drain. And I decided, you know what? Mortgage advertising on the radio doesn't work. It's not for me. But then I had a local DJ, a sports jock come in and say, so, Hey, uh, what kind of yield spread y'all looking for on your loans? And that's an inside baseball word in finance. And I said, wait a minute, what'd you say? And when he said my, my verbiage to me, I thought, wait a minute, he knows what I need. Give me your best package. That's a tiny station. So his best package was like 1200 bucks, but for 1200 bucks, I owned his station. And the very first day he said, just call in and we'll just talk about mortgages. So we did. And when I hung up, I looked down and the phone lines were lit up. This is an old school phone system where you could see the different Mm -hmm. lines and they blew up and I paid for my first year in my first week of advertising on a station. Mm. So I was like, wait a minute, I'm in. But what I couldn't really wrap my head around was there's not a lot of people listening to this show, but I didn't need a lot of people listening to that show. I needed a certain amount to respond. So if a million people here and a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of 1% respond, or the same number of people respond with a thousand listeners, the result is the same, except the the barrier to entry, the cost of the advertising is woefully different. So I was no longer interested in how many people are going to see this. I'm more interested in how many qualified buyers are there for this product that will actually respond. So a lot of radio stations, here's what you'll see. Everyone who's going to come pitch you or present to you, they'll say, oh, we're number one in our demo. What does that mean? They yeah, could yeah. say, well, our demo is persons 12 plus. Well, there's not a lot of 14 year olds who need a mortgage. I don't think you can legally get one. Uh, right. but, but at the same time, other stations will come in and they'd say, Well, we're number one in our demo. Well, what is your demo? 39 year old housewives who have cats. Okay. Well, that's not exactly who I'm looking for either. <laughs> so what is number one in your demo mean? But my point is people play fuzzy math with the numbers to always make it look like they're number one and their product or service. But at the end of the day. My, my metric has always been the dollars. I don't want to hear the numbers. I don't want to hear the downloads. I don't want to hear the streams. What are we willing to pay? And What type of return do you need? And we're going to get it for you. And that attitude has made mine and your husband's podcast the highest grossing wrestling podcast in all the land. There are podcasts that have more downloads, but there's no podcast that generates more revenue. And that attitude, if you're really trying to get into podcasts for money, that's the way you should do it.
0: Hmm. Awesome. So... If somebody wants to get into podcast for money though uh, what do they need to know about how long they could anticipate that taking because I mean granted there's a the genre that you guys are in you know came with a built in global audience now most most people you know sally may at jones sitting at home or you know you know johnny smith is going. you know i i have you know 20 followers on my twitter feed and a handful of friends how can i make money podcasting or how long is it going to take me so my point is in the podcast world most people are not probably in it for the money right because most people are not going to make Significant, let's say any significant amount of money. So you really have to be in it because you are passionate about sharing something that you want to share with people. That
1: well, I'm I'm glad you said that because I'll be honest, I didn't get into podcasting for money. But here's what I knew: I needed someone who had a big platform who could promote on social. I needed a Ric Flair. I needed an Eric Bischoff. I needed a Jim Ross. These guys were made men in that category, and anything they did was going to get a little bit of uh, an opportunity just based on name recognition alone. Maybe the show's not the best thing in the world, but people will give it a listen because it has their name attached to it. When I started podcasting, I had zero followers. I didn't have a Twitter, uh, but it grew over time through the shows. But my plan all along was I'm going to leverage the audience that they already have built in place to sell mortgages. So podcasting is not, and will never be my full-time income. I wanted to develop a platform to support my existing business. And if you're an entrepreneur and you don't have podcasts and you don't, and you don't create content, you're missing the boat. You should tell your story on Twitter. You should tell it on Facebook. You should tell it on YouTube. You should tell it on Instagram and Snapchat. You should also have a podcast. And I think TikTok or maybe TikTok's not the answer, but a vertical video and and YouTube is starting to do that. Vertical video that you're watching on your phone will be the next big thing to pop off uh, in my opinion. And I think that you need to have that for your business. Not just here's our hours. That's the big thing when I'm talking about mortgage, I don't talk about, we do FHA and VA and conventional. Of course we do all that, but so Mm -hmm. does everyone else. I want to tell a story and the story and the way we advertise our mortgage company is we just helped an engineer in Hazel green with five kids and seven credit cards that were maxed out. Make this the best Christmas ever. We knocked out all their credit card debt, showed them how to skip their next two house payments, which is their single biggest bill, which sure will come in handy right here during the holidays. And come January, when he makes a new payment, he's not on a 30-year loan anymore. Now he's going to pay his house off in half the time with cheaper monthly payments. And if you've got credit card debt, if you're in a 30-year loan, if you'd like to have the best Christmas ever and skip a couple of house payments, get a head start on your New Year's resolution to save money right now at blah, blah, blah. So I'm telling a story. I'm not saying he got this interest rate. He borrowed this much. He's going to get this kind of APR. That's That's what it is. But I want to talk about what it does. Like what are we doing for people? How are we helping them? Why did they need to do this? Not necessarily how much air was in the tires on this plane. When the plane landed, it landed in Waikiki Beach. That's what we want to talk about. The (laughs) sand and the sun and the water, not the seatbelts on the freaking plane, not what to do in case of emergency. So I talk about the why a lot. And so my, my, my advice would be for an entrepreneur put yourself out there, but not about how people do business with you, but how you help people. Because everyone's the hero of their own story. And if you're helping them be the hero of their story, they get to retire on time. They don't have to saddle their kids with student loans. Now you're winning. And my advice would be if you've got a product or service like that, and you have a passion, mine happened to be, I grew up a big wrestling fan. I built a wrestling audience to sell them mortgages. I get that most people would say that doesn't translate but here's the here's the real reality if i did a mortgage podcast how many people would listen so i have to be honest with myself how many people would listen to that so mm-hmm. if you're passionate about golf what's john daly doing has anybody approached john daly with a business plan as to how to make money the reason i focused about how to make money through podcasting is i had to i had to get have a real plan of how do i lure an eric bischoff into doing a show with me mm. i had to have a business plan how do I get a Jim Ross to do two months worth of episodes with him? He's got to have a business plan. So I had mm-hmm. to have a real business plan to keep these guys engaged and interested in, in dedicating the time and effort and energy and having a hillbilly from Alabama yell at them. They had to understand <laughs> I'm getting paid for this on the other side, right? Right, right, uh, right. So, so that's sort of the idea is I think the takeaway should be how do you cross your passion, which might be golf or cooking or whatever like there's great barbecue podcasts out there, but there are even bigger names in barbecue who don't have a podcast. Well, why not? Maybe no one has approached them with the right product or service and the right business that they could sort of tie together. Mm -hmm. But I think it's possible for you to take your passion and marry it with your business and, and really blow it up. And I think I'm proof of that
0: hmm. And so just to be clear, the scenario that you just kind of laid out, um, you're talking about if you want to have like a co host, right, a regular co host with you. So that's a little bit different than if you're going to be flying solo, and you're just trying to attract quality sure. guests. Right?
1: Yeah, that would be totally different. But, mm. but at the same time, you know, what we're trying to do is if we're trying to attract quality guests, we've got to find a way to yeah, uh, financially incent them to do it, and I know sometimes people say, "Oh, well, I don't have the budget to to pay them to do it." Well, you've got to find something that you can marry with their, so they have to have something to promote. So, for instance, I've got another podcast coming up that I haven't announced yet, but it happens to be with a, with an older wrestler who's in the Hall of Fame, who's a big deal and a big name in the space, but he's never done a podcast. But he does have a new business that he needs to promote, and he's mm-hmm. seen what I've done with my mortgage business, and he wants to do the same thing with his business on a podcast because he knows the audience will be there, especially if we bring our styles together and then he can use that to grow his business. So my, my advice to you would be, if you're trying to grow your business as quick as you can, look for any and, op- and every opportunity to piggyback those platforms that other people have already built like a celebrity co-host. But if you're not doing that, then that's okay too. But we should also mention not everyone has to do podcasts to grow their business. This can be very fun. Yes. So you have to decide going into this, is this going to be a hobby and a, and a, and a release for me? Or is this a business? If mm-hmm. it's a business, you definitely need a strategy and you definitely need a plan. But if you're just having fun, click record and have fun. It is fun.
0: Yeah. That's a great point too, because not everybody needs to, uh, yeah, it's not their, their desire or their goal to try right. to build their business or turn it into a business. They just want to um, to get on and, and talk to people and share whatever it is is up for them and sure and make it just a really fun hobby for yourself and whoever's listening is listening. And that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So last question. Um, And this kind of goes back, I guess more into the uh, entrepreneurial conversation we started out with. So for the person that is like right now, you know, maybe they've got some, they've got some passions or they've got some hobbies, but they're in this kind of stuck place that a lot of people are in right now. Um, and right, right now, they're mostly passionate about bringing in some income. That is their biggest passion right now. I just wanna be able to bring in some income, take care of my family, pay my bills, you know, whatever. So in your opinion, um, where do you think that some of the best opportunities lie right now for somebody that's just like, I'll do anything?
1: Well, I mean, I think it, in the end, it's definitely going to be through sales. You've got to figure out something that you enjoy selling. And, um, I know that sounds silly, but I started this whole conversation by saying everything is, is sales. Yeah. And, and I, I know a lot of people would say, oh, well, I'm not a salesman. It doesn't feel like sales. If you're really passionate about it. Like I don't really sell mortgages. I just explain math and show them, Hey, here's what you've been doing. Here's what you can do with me. Mm-hmm. And then they tell me if they like that or, or not so much, but there's really nominal sales involved in the whole process but i do believe that there are a lot of solutions out there where you could go sell something i mean i'm a big follower of gary v and gary v has been showing the the blueprint for years of how to go to yard sales and make a 100 grand a year and that sounds silly but i know people who are doing it i also knew people who jumped on his bandwagon a few years ago and started doing the baseball card thing and it's gone up 10x just this year Mm -hmm. cards that were selling for you know, $4,000 this past December are now selling for $45,000 this November. And that's, that's 11 months later and it's, you know, 10 or 12 times more. And so those opportunities are there. I think my, my biggest advice to you would be, you've got to be receptive to opportunity. And and I know that sounds crazy, but I, I don't have a desire to be a great wrestling podcaster. I mean, I guess I do, but I'm saying I'm not looking for a sixth one. I wasn't looking for a second one, but an opportunity presented itself. I was doing a show with the, the biggest name in wrestling one of the biggest names in wrestling, Ric Flair, but I saw opportunity in a name that most wrestling fans didn't know in Bruce Pritchard. but I knew the content was going to be so good that this could be an even bigger hit than the bigger name of the two. So mm-hmm. I saw that opportunity and I, and I took it and then I saw opportunity with your husband and I took it. Mm-hmm. No one is going to come around and say, you know what? It's your turn to be successful. So we're just going to let you have all the success now. You've got to be ready to walk through those open doors. And when you see that opportunity, go seize that opportunity, because a a lot of people will not, they'll just be on their heels and rest on their laurels. And woe is me. I've never met a happy, successful, financially independent person who was negative and lazy, That just doesn't happen. Like, and I know lots of successful people who aren't happy. I don't want that. And I know lots of people who are happy, who aren't successful to me. I need them to go together. I want to be happy and successful one without the other. And I get, you know, Oh, uh, I'm rich in spirit. Okay, cool. I would rather not be poor if that's an option. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, I well, agree. If I, if I can do both, I'd like to do both. And so I found yeah. a way to have fun and be happy, but also be successful. And, and you just got to define what your definition of success is. Yeah. And, Cause it's not always what's on a 1099 or a W2 or a K1 you got to be ready to look forward to the day and I'm looking forward to the day and I'm looking forward to tomorrow.
0: Right. I couldn't agree more with, I, so many of the things you just said are the same things that I say so many times to, to my clients and, and my listeners too. I, I completely agree with that. Um, Everyone's got their own definition of success hmm. and, but you know, you got to have one figure out what yours is and that's going to be yeah. based on your value system, you know, and, and what life is about for you. So don't take somebody else's definition and then try to fit that into your life. If it, if it doesn't fit for you, it doesn't fit. So you really have to do some, uh, do some soul searching and decide what's important to you and what you think would really make you happy. Yeah. Cause it's not just about the money, but oh, money, no. but money is wonderful. Because you can help so many people when you have the money, when you have more money than you need, you can help a lot of people and you can be a generous, you know, contributing person, which is very fulfilling for a lot of people.
1: It just provides a lot of peace of mind. You know, like money is essentially a scoreboard for some things. I get that in terms of how your business is doing or how your podcast is doing or how sales are going. But the things that excite me the most are never revenue attached. When I, you know, you got to ask yourself what really gets me excited. Mm-hmm. And when you know what that is, if you can really find that and achieve that, cause that's what we're really here for. We're here for achievement and accomplishment. We want to check boxes. We want to hit, we want to reach milestones. We want to make progress. We want to be better today than we were yesterday. And on some level, nobody really knows what their checking account balance was in December of 98. And it won't matter what your checking account balance is in December of 2028. It's Mm -hmm. irrelevant. What does matter though, is did you have fun? Did you feel fulfilled? Were you excited? And, and, and if you can really answer those the right way, uh, you're on the right track. My favorite thing in my, in my real life, my mortgage business is when I have an employee, someone I brought onto the team, we sit down, we map out their goals. I figure out what they're really trying to accomplish and they exceed those goals. When they go buy a new house, when they, when they write a check for a new vehicle, when they can send their kids to college with no student loans, that's the real success, not necessarily a bigger bank account for me, but seeing that I was able to have a positive impact in someone's life and the most rewarding piece. And you've seen some of these messages, your husband and I get all kinds of messages from people. We were their support system through a tough time in their life through our podcast. And we had no idea but that keeps me going when some days I don't want to talk to your husband for three hours, (laughs) but some guy out there really, really needs me to. And that's me is way more important because I could just send a text message to our producer and say, I just play a best of drop the ads in there. We'll still make the same money. I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because I feel fulfilled when I get those messages. So there's way more. I know we've talked about money a lot today, but it's because I thought we were talking about business. But the reality is I, I want to feel fulfilled. And, yeah. and and I, I can do that through the way I've married these two things that seem pretty random, mortgages and wrestling podcasts. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. So on the surface that does seem insanely random, but but you've knitted them together so beautifully into something that is so rewarding and successful on multiple levels. And um and you I think it would be safe to say you ultimately have ended up creating some things that went far beyond probably what you initially imagined with these amazing, you know, little pockets of communities that have developed inside of, you know, the the shows and everything that you are putting out. I think it's, I think it's amazing. And and this year in particular, um, really needed, was really needed for a lot of people. I've heard from them myself. So I know firsthand, it's meant a lot for people. So uh, my hat is off to you, Conrad, because you've built an amazing, an amazing uh, podcast universe. So,
1: well, I appreciate you saying that. You know, it's weird that I've had such a unique 2020 experience because you started the show and I started all my conversations, you know, for the last several months for people talking about how terrible 2020 is, this is the best year of my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, 19 was the best year of my life. And then before that, it was 18. And then before that was 17. Life just keeps getting better if you're really happy in what you do. And you're looking forward to tomorrow and you feel fulfilled and uh, you have a shift and you go rogue like they do here on this show.
0: Totally. I love it. And I feel the same way. Every year is always the best one yet. It's always like that. That's a good, it's a good feeling to have when you wake up every day. But I want to make sure that you um, tell people where they can find out, where they can find you, more about you, everything you have to offer. Go ahead and let's share it.
1: Uh, Savewithconrad.com is where all of our podcast listeners go uh, to uh, check out our mortgage services. The real website is 1fmc.com for firstfamilymortgagecompany.com. I'm on Twitter. That's probably where I'm most active. Hey, hey, it's Conrad. And if you've got a question and I could be of any service to you, shoot me an email. It's Conrad at savewithconrad.com.
0: Perfect. Conrad, if you're not already doing so, I think you you should be like a business coach in all your spare time. In all your spare time. Let's throw that in the mix, shall we?
1: It's funny you say that. I was approached, I guess, two weeks ago about perhaps doing like a a podcast mentor business where I Mm. could teach people how to get their podcast off the ground or how to make money in podcasting. And I'm pretty sure my wife would say, so when is there time to do that? But it's a fun idea.
0: Yeah. Sorry, Megan. Forget I yeah. said that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm going to let you go. Thank you so, so much for hanging out with us and sharing all of this really, I think, really valuable information. I know that people will probably really find it interesting and maybe give them some ideas and some encouragement to uh, jump in, see what happens, right?
1: Yeah. You know what? That's the big takeaway for me. I would say, hey, why not me? You know, you know, even though I do have some pretty successful podcasts. I have zero formal training or experience. I didn't go to school for this. I didn't, I didn't read a book on it. I didn't have a mentor. Uh, I just, I I cared and I worked really hard. Same thing with my mortgage business. I'm a community college dropout. I didn't go to school for this. I don't have a finance degree. I had people who cared about me and showed me the ropes. And then I outworked everybody in the room. I was the first one in and the last one out and now I don't have to be, and that's a great spot to be in, but Mm -hmm. you don't have to wait for someone to sort of anoint you to be successful the best way to learn and the best way to get out there is to just do it. And the first step is to just take action. When I was in sales, I used to do door to door sales and my dad would say the toughest door to open is your car door. And uh, you know, later when we did a lot of telephone work, he said, the heaviest thing in your office is the receiver, the plastic phone receiver. So it's just a mental block. You've got to make the decision. And when you make the decision that you're going to be successful and you train your brain with the right type of thinking, you eliminate the negativity and become laser focused on your goal, you will reach it. It's worked for me, and I'm a hillbilly from Alabama. It'll work for you.
0: (laughs) And there you have it, folks. (laughs) Word from the podcast king himself, uh, amongst other things. So just remember, everybody, um, the key to Well, reinventing yourself requires your adaptability. You have to be be willing. You've got to be adaptable. You have got to be able to adjust to new conditions. And so, you know, use this year. There's still a few weeks left. Adjust, get yourself mentally in a different mindset going into the new year. If you haven't already done that, it's not too late, get prepared now so that, um, you know, you can, you can stretch, You'd be willing to pursue new paths and be open to new opportunities. Um, it's gonna be here in a minute and it's not too late. So just, I hope all of this inspired you and I really, um, I really encourage you to check your attitude, shift your mindset and be willing to jump in. And, you know, even if you're scared, just jump in. What's the worst that can happen? If you would like some guidance getting unstuck and leveling up any aspect of your life, be sure to head on over to LaurieBischoff.com and you can find out what private coaching with me is all about. I will be happy to help you get unstuck. Trust me, uh, I have a few tricks up my sleeve. It's worked for a few other people, so give it a shot. Um, Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And um, we would really be grateful if you would leave us a rating and review. Those reviews help inspire other people. to check it out too and hear all of the good shifts that we are sharing here on We're Talking Shift. Until next week, stay feisty, my friends. Stay fluid and go make some epic shifts happen in your life. That goes for you too, Gary Vee.